Welcome to Chapter by Chapter. I'm your host, Brian Thomas Crop, and I believe that stories have a tremendous power for good, and so I write them, and I enjoy sharing them with you. And if you are new to the podcast, welcome here. The way the show rolls is in just a little bit, you'll hear a chapter from a book that I wrote. And then after that chapter is over, uh, we'll get into some of the behind the scenes of how did that chapter get written or what was going on in the writer's head when uh, he wrote some things down. I find that part of, um, I don't know that they do this anymore with uh, movies. How do you find the DVD extras when you don't have DVDs? But uh, I always love that, that part of it, of finding out how the thing was made. And so that is a large part of what why the show is formatted in the way that it is. I'm glad you're here. Uh, in just a little bit, we're going to get to chapter six of uh, a crime noir mystery uh, that I wrote called Shell Game. And where we are in the story so far is we have our main detective, whose name is Evan Gold. Uh, he has a partner at his detective agency named Gabe Silver. And they've been hired by a lady named Molly Brandt to find her father who's gone missing. And um, along the way, uh, we also have found out that Evan has a marriage on the rocks and he has essentially one week to um, kind of get his his life in a spot where he can work on his marriage. In that same week, he's got to save his failing business because all the creditors are coming and asking for their money. And um, in his frustration and boredom, he's kind of delved into this hobby of finding junk. And he now has a flower sack full of maybe valuable jewelry, maybe. Uh, and that is uh, stowed away in his office. Um, so those are all the things going on in Evan's life uh, as uh, we enter into this chapter. Uh, but I am glad that you are here and we will get into chapter six of Shell Game right after we hear from this week's sponsors. This episode is also sponsored by the Casey Jackson in South Acre series. I am proud to announce that the final book, Carry That Weight, is out in Amazon stores. You can get that in a physical book or in an ebook for your Kindle. Uh, this is uh, a story that has taken about a year to get released. It's a four part story, and all four parts are out, so you can have the whole series. Uh, go check out the link in the show notes and grab your own copy of Carry That Weight. Or if you haven't uh, looked at the whole series, you can grab the whole series uh, there as well. And now, here's our chapter. Chapter 6 The phone jangled to life, waking Evan after several difficult hours of sleep. Fumbling to locate the ringing contraption through his closed eyes, he eventually managed to get the receiver next to his ear. Gold? Uh-huh. What time is it? That's so much earlier than I hoped. No, I wasn't doing anything. I mean, I was... Yeah, I can come down. Where again? Sure, give me 20 minutes. Evan hung up the receiver, pushed himself up on the bed, swung his legs over the side, and gave an unfocused stare out the bedroom window. The diffused light from the full moon penetrated through the fog, providing a gloomy look to the night. In front of his building, the streetlight shone down bright cones, providing the only breadcrumbs of direction. 
Evan reached over and grabbed his alarm clock, squinting his eyes to see what time it was. 2.30, he mumbled to himself. How about that? I thought he was fooling. Then Evan gave himself a pep talk and stood to get dressed. Five minutes later, he was dressed and clicking down the deserted streets of Athens. It was a pleasant night for a walk, he mused, except for the part where he should be in bed sleeping. Around three o'clock, he had worked his way south to the river to the Memorial Bridge. He saw a police car and several uniforms standing on commercial about ten yards from one end of the bridge. The place was deserted. The land belonged to Old Man Soden's flour mill before it burned down when Evan was a kid. Recently, the bridge was dedicated to the local soldiers who gave their lives in Europe and the Pacific. It was a nice gesture, but the bridge was so far on the outskirts of town only a small group of fishermen made good use of it. Evan approached the first barrier of police officers. A couple of standard-issue rookies, lanky and awkward in their freshly starched uniforms. Their job was to monitor the outskirts of the crime scene and stay out of the way. Evan wiped the smile off his face as he approached these fresh-faced kids. He remembered wanting to be in their shoes when he was their age. But that was many years ago and a life he did not regret passing by. The rookies, who had been talking casually to themselves, suddenly stood pencil straight and faced Evan with an attempt at dominance. This area here is off limits, said one of the rookies. You can't be here, sir. Sir, Evan laughed at the formality. Sir, you need to leave, said the other. Tell that to Lieutenant Abrams. He's the one who called me down here. Believe me, gentlemen, I would much rather be sleeping right now than in the middle of your business. Evan forced a charming smile, though it was difficult. The officers looked Evan over for a few seconds before one of them said, I guess you can go through. Thank you very much. Evan walked past the officers and over to the bridge. An ambulance was parked there along with more experienced officers. The officers moved with more purpose, looking severe with their cameras, overcoats, and notepads discussing details, procedures, and theories. He saw the most seasoned officer on the bridge, pointing to three of his juniors, waiting along with search lamps in the riverbed. From time to time, a lantern's beam would flash past what looked to be a body covered in a crisp white sheet. Evan thought that things were about to get interesting. But how interesting, and what did this have to do with him? It was just at that moment that Evan's brain connected to the fact that Gabe had missed his check-in call after tailing Jason Charles. A pit began to form in Evan's gut. The seasoned officer from the bridge came jogging up to Evan, holding his hat on with one hand. He nudged his hat back with his forefinger and said, Hey Evan, thanks for coming down here. Strange night. You called me at 2.30 in the morning, Steve. I assumed it was important. Evan said, hoping to take the edge off what he was sure was coming. It is, I'm afraid, said Lieutenant Abrams. Then Abrams said what Evan had already guessed. It's Gabe. I hate to tell you, but he got himself killed. That's him down there under the sheet. Evan nodded. I wanted you to see your partner one last time before the boys take him to the morgue. You know, pay your respects, Abrams said. That's very thoughtful, Steve, Evan said. Lieutenant Abrams fished in his pocket, pulled out a pistol, and held it out to Evan. Look familiar to you? Abrams asked. Evan took it from him and gave it the once-over as best he could in the hazy light. Yeah, he said. Looks like Gabe's all right. Evan handed the gun back to Abrams. What was it? Evan mused. Some kind of standoff? Gabe had his deficiencies as a detective, but he wasn't careless enough to get into a shootout on an out-of-the-way bridge. Abrams let out a long, bewildered breath and stared into the dark riverbed. 
We got a call maybe 90 minutes ago from a guy coming to the bridge for some night fishing, Abrams said, stuffing the gun away and looking back apologetically to Evan. What kind of person goes fishing at one in the morning is beyond me. Anyway, he says he was walking on the bridge and sees a man's hat just lying there. Thinks nothing of it. He's about to drop his line and sees your partner laying face down in the river. It's hard to see because of the fog, so he goes down to check it out. Long story short, our man runs home and gives us a call. Abrams turned to stare in the direction of the river. Got two slugs in him, right in his gut. I don't think he survived his wounds very long. He paused and took in a deep breath before saying, Whoever it was, was good. No casings, no dropped items, no signs of struggle. Just a little blood up on the bridge, so we think he was shot up there. We think after he was shot, the murderer pushed or dropped the body over the side of the bridge. Nobody saw or heard anything, Evan asked. Not that we found yet, Abram said. But there's not a lot of hope there. This place is off several well-beaten paths. Abrams looked around and took off his hat to fidget with the brim. You want to see the body? He asked finally. Do I need to? Evan asked. Abrams cocked his head to one side. Taken aback, I don't know that you need to, necessarily. It would be the respectful thing to do, though. Evan looked back at Lieutenant Abrams. How is it respectful? Gabe's not in that body anymore, is he? So what am I paying my respects to? The shell of a man? I hate to tell you this, Evan, Abrams started, but I think this might be why some people think you're cold. I'm not worried about other people, Evan grunted. Abrams shook his head. Yeah, well, something you should know. Gabe's gun wasn't fired. Evan's eyebrows went up. Yep, I know. Still snapped into his holster. Yeah, it's weird, but I thought you'd want to know that. Evan's eyes started to dance from side to side as he tried to make any connections in his head. Was he working a case? Lieutenant Abrams asked a little too casually. Evan nodded. Not really. Something came in this morning, missing person. A woman wanted us to find her runaway father. Was he supposed to meet him here? Evan shook his head. No. I don't know why he would have ended up here. Was Gabe into something? Abrams asked. He was digging for more information. Evan was not in the mood to throw Abrams a bone. Your guess is as good as mine, Steve. He was just my business partner. We didn't share our hopes and dreams out loud. Yeah, Abrams said and dropped his eyes before looking up at the full moon. Was there anything else? Evan asked. Lieutenant Abrams frowned and squeezed his eyebrows together. Not at the moment, but I know how to get a hold of you if something comes up. Then he volunteered. I suppose someone should let Mrs. Silver know. I suppose they should, Evan agreed. I'll do it. Seems like the right thing. Abrams turned to look toward the river. Gabe Silver's shrouded body was just making its way into the back of the ambulance on a makeshift gurney. The two men who carried the body shut the wide swinging back hatch door. Lieutenant Abrams continued to run the brim of his hat in a circle through his anxious fingers. Gabe Silver was a good man. He had his good points. He had his bad points, just like the rest of us, I guess. He placed his hat back on his head. Thanks for coming down, Evan. You're sure you don't want to pay your respects? I'm sure, Evan said. I'll see you around, Steve. Yeah, Abram said. See you around. Evan started to walk back north, then turned east on Logan.
His mind was alert and alive. He aimed nowhere in particular, just walked to let his thoughts run. How much more tragedy could he take? It seemed like everything around him was crumbling away like a sandcastle devoured by the encroaching tide. Death always shows up on the doorstep, Evan reminded himself. He shows up right on time, but always unexpectedly. Evan had to break the news to Gabe's wife, but didn't know if he could. Maybe if the words were never said, Gabe's death could be reversed and life could go on as it had been. But he knew he couldn't unsee what he had seen. The widow needed to know. He swung up East Street and stopped at the first payphone he could, circled his fingers through the numbers on the dial till the bell rang in the receiver. Sophie, hi, it's Evan. Sorry to wake you, but I need you to do me a favor. Gabe went and got himself killed tonight. I don't know. Police are on it. We can't do much until the sun comes up. Uh, Say, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to call the wife. Yeah, she shouldn't find this out in the morning paper. She didn't marry much of a man, but she deserves at least that much. No, I can't. So, Sophie, I don't know that I can watch another heartbreak right now. And the kids. I just can't. Thanks, Sophie. You're one in a million. I'm headed over to the office to check on something. Maybe he wrote down why he would end up on Memorial Bridge, of all things. I know. Doesn't make sense on the face of it. Yeah. Thanks, Sophie. I'll see you later. Evan hung up the phone and then stood there, dazed for a moment. The anger that had been building for the past month boiled over. He picked up the receiver and whacked the pay phone box 20, maybe 30 times, cracking the handset in several places. Once he got himself under control, he adjusted his hat, turned west onto 2nd Avenue, and zigzagged the way to his office. I alluded to this uh, last week uh, in the 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 behind-the-scenes portion of the episode where we have three plot lines. We have an A plot, a B plot, and a C plot. And that in this chapter, we would more fully understand what the A plot is. And um, now we know that really the A plot is who killed Gabe Silver. Uh, That's going to drive a lot of what Evan does throughout the rest of the book. The B plot, which is uh, whatever uh, is in a flower sack that is currently safely stowed in his office. Uh, What's going to become of that? is going to play into how he uh, answers the question, who killed Gabe Silver? And then there's the relationship with his wife, and is that going to get any better? And largely the answer to that question will be solved if he is able to answer the question of who killed Gabe Silver. So uh, that's going to drive a lot of the stuff going forward. Um, and if you've been listening to the podcast for a, a little bit, you know that Athens, Kansas, where this story uh, takes place, is sort of uh, based on um, my hometown of Emporia, Kansas. And one of the fun things that I uh, had in writing the story, because if you're if you're going to spend a long time writing lots of words. You should do some stuff in there that you think is fun. And so dropping in 
uh, references to my hometown and um, uh, kind of making Evan wander around uh, my hometown from 1962, which I don't know what that was like because I was not alive then. Um, but I had a map, and so that was helpful. Uh, but that was just kind of fun to kind of put him uh, back there and kind of rewalk my uh, old home uh, jaunts and that kind of thing. But Soden's Grove is a real place. Uh, you can go to Emporia, Kansas and find a place in uh, the southern part of the town called Soden's Grove. And there really was a guy, last name Soden, who had a mill, all that stuff. That is true. Um, burned down the whole thing. And they've put uh, a bridge there called Memorial Bridge. And a, a very unknown fact about Emporia is that after World War I finished, there was a national uh, holiday to remember the peace treaty uh, that ended World War I, and it was called Armistice Day. And I don't know if this particular person had a hard time saying that. I know I do. Um, it's just a hard word to say. Or he was just a very patriotic person and wanted to honor all of, not just the, the, those who fought in World War I, but all of the United States uh, veterans who have fought and died in preserving the freedoms of the United States. But he, uh, I believe, talked to, um, sent a letter, as a good American would, uh, sent a letter to the President of the United States, uh, President Eisenhower, I believe, um, could have been Roosevelt, about uh, having a National Veterans Day. And so uh, this guy was from Emporia, Kansas. And uh, so the, uh, the, re the remembrance that we have in September, I think it's September, uh, for, oh no, it's November, November 11th, uh, for Veterans Day, um, that was already a holiday for World War I veterans. And then a guy from my hometown was able to get that changed to Veterans Day. And so there's a little bit of American history for you. Um, I also, I can't remember how big Memorial Bridge is. It sits over one of the major rivers in Emporia. There's two. Uh, one is the Neosha River and one is the Cottonwood River. And Memorial Bridge uh, spans one of them. I think it's the Neosha River, but I'd have to go back to the map and look. Um, and you go there, you can fish over the side of it. There's a park over there with a, uh, there's an Emporia Zoo. You wouldn't imagine that a city or a town as big as Emporia has a zoo, but we have a zoo and it's there. Um, there's, uh, you can play Little League. There's all kinds of cool stuff down uh, in the Sodens Park area. Uh, but this bridge, I can't remember how wide it is. Um, so I stole a thing that also happened in Emporia, uh, when I was a kid, um, that didn't, it didn't happen in Emporia, but involved people from Emporia where a pastor, um, had gotten into a relationship with the church secretary and cooked up this bizarre plan, uh, some, almost something out of Hitchcock, where if, uh, he, if each one would kill the other one's spouse, then uh, they wouldn't. They thought they wouldn't get caught, and then they could get married. It was just the dumbest thing ever. Um, and she wasn't as down with the plan as he was, so he ends up killing both of the uh, spouses. And um, I think one of one of the murders took place on a bridge that was only one lane wide. 
and um, it was just kind of out of the way and kind of suspicious. They made a TV movie out of it called Murder Ordained, and you can maybe, maybe find it on eBay. I mean, it's not that well known of a thing. They were doing auditions for parts. I think uh, it was it was sort of when I was in junior high, high school. I was told by my mom, she's like, if you go down audition for that thing, that I will be very upset because we don't want to have anything to do with that show. I think it was just, in a, it was partly an embarrassment on the city. Um, it was partly subject matter that she probably didn't want her uh, child to be involved with at all. I would have enjoyed making the movie, but whatever. Uh, they did do some dumb stuff in the making of the movie that uh, was kind of fun to see once it came out on TV. And that was they filmed some things in the uh, Emporia is the county seat of Lyon County in Kansas. And so um a lot of the whatever the the, the county jail i guess uh, would be in emporia and um i guess the, the the good folks at cbs did not believe that the rest of america would believe that a place like emporia would have desktop computers and uh, uh push button phones and those kinds of things so they either i can't remember if they built a set or they just went into the county jail and removed all that stuff. But it's like old wooden chairs and typewriters and rotary phones and all this stuff because that looked more like a good old fashioned Kansas uh, county jail. It was like, that's not, we have cable. It's, it's great. Anyway, um, just some, uh, that, but I, I think I stole a lot of the imagery of how Gabe Silver ends up in the riverbed from that whole uh, story, which at least when I was growing up was a big part of the, um, uh, the story going on in Emporia. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention out of this chapter is, uh, this thing about how to handle grief. Um, obviously Evan is handling it one way and a lot of people want him to handle it a very different way. And that also plays into sort of what gets him in trouble is that he doesn't handle his grief in a way that other people expect. And, um, I, I remember, you know, my, my father passed away when I was 18 and kind of ran into that. Uh, I didn't know how to process that. And other people had expectations for how, um, I should handle that. There was nothing quite as obvious as what is in this story, but I remember being at the funeral and not really knowing how to, how to mourn or to grieve or to cry or all that kind of stuff. I dearly uh, love and loved my father and I just didn't know how to go there emotionally. But a lot of people at the funeral did. And I remember um, people, you know, offering their condolences who looked much worse off than I felt. And I, you know, it's almost like looking at people who are not my family going, do you need, do you need to talk? Do you need help? Um, it was kind of an, an odd thing, but I coming out of that, I think possibly coming out of that at such a young age and watching other people go through that kind of grieving process. Um, I know I feel the, the pain of, um, assuming how somebody is dealing with that and wanting to put how I would want to handle that on them instead of letting them kind of process that and praying for them and encouraging them and listening to them and kind of being available. Um, I, I want them to grieve the way I want them to grieve as opposed to, um, just letting, letting that process 
uh, do its thing because it's just going to take a while uh, to work that out. And so Evan's going to bump into that quite a bit, particularly between uh, him and the police officers. Uh, he's got one view of this is this is how I'm going to handle it. And I think he's going to handle it with I'm going to solve the, the crime. Whereas uh, Abrams and the rest of the police force uh, are, are more on the mi- mindset of like, we have a way that you show respect and you're not doing that. And so that's a problem. So we'll see how that plays out over the rest of the story. But um, right now, as I'm recording this, the morning commute on Interstate 30 is going by my office window and they are being quite loud. It's it's kind of fun. Um, so I hope you're having a fun uh, morning as well. If you're listening to this in the morning on your commute, um, but however you're listening to this, I hope that you are having a good week and thanks for tuning in to chapter by chapter. I would encourage you uh, swing by all the places and leave the reviews and the likes and those kinds of things. Uh, and if you haven't yet, Swing over to BrianThomasCrop.com. You can read this whole book over there for free. Um, You can also sign up for um, my readers group. And I would love to send you some more uh, stories as well, just for the exchange of your email. Uh, But that's it for this show. Again, thanks for tuning in. I hope to see you back here next week. But until then, I hope you have a great week. Bye.